on today's episode, PHT and the relationship with stress and cortisol. Welcome to the podcast, helping you overcome your proximal hamstring tendinopathy. This podcast is designed to help you understand this condition, learn the most effective evidence-based treatments, and of course, bust the widespread misconceptions. My name is Brody Sharp. I'm an online physiotherapist, recreational athlete, creator of the Run Smarter series, and a chronic proximal hamstring tendinopathy battler. Whether you are an athlete or not, this podcast will educate and empower you in taking the right steps to overcome this horrible condition. So let's give you the right knowledge along with practical takeaways in today's lesson. This is almost like a two-parter. I have today's episode straight from the Run Smarter podcast, and we're talking about sleep and cortisol in its relation to things like pain levels, in things to its link to injury and its inhibitory factors or hindering recovery. And so comes into a lot of relevance when we're talking about overcoming PHT. Um, it's almost like a two-parter because next episode I'll be releasing my interview with Dr. Amy Bender, who is a sleep scientist, and she will delve into uh, all things sleep hygiene, how to improve our sleep, and how it can help recover us and help us um, overcome these injuries. I In this recording, there are a, a few irrelevant comments that I make, one around injury-prone Pete, who is uh, the character in my Run Smarter ebook. So you could just disregard that, but everything else is quite relevant. So look forward to releasing this episode for you, taking all the knowledge, and then we'll back that up with uh, Dr. Amy Bender to talk about sleep next week. So let's dive in. This episode, we're going to talk about sleep and cortisol. I have talked about sleep a little bit in the Hidden Dangers episode, but I just wanted to expand on that idea and rather than it just being a quick Passover of the Hidden Dangers like sleep, stress, anti-inflammation, medication, I wanted to delve a little bit deeper because it is really, really important, something I've been focusing on for several months now. And I want to share with you guys, I actually want to get a sleep expert on to share their knowledge. And I have a a person in mind at the moment and has scheduled a interview with me just down the track. It's going to be in about five or six weeks time. So I thought I would do my best on this episode uh, to compile some of the evidence that I know and the blogs that I have written and put together this episode and we'll have her on in the future to delve into some really practical tips and takeaways so it will tie in really well. The first topic I want to do for this episode is just highlight the importance of sleep when it comes to things like injury risk and I did mention this briefly in the first season but I'll do it again today. It's just really quick. A couple of studies, um, there's one from Malowski 2014 and they had a look at some adolescents who slept less than eight hours per night. And on average, they were 70% more likely to report an injury the following week, as opposed to those who slept more than eight hours. So this is in an adolescent population, but you can at least highlight the importance of sleep is. So 70% more likely to report an injury if they have slept less than eight hours. And these findings were backed up 
by uh, P. Von Rosen 2016 and found that athletes reaching the recommended sleep during the weekdays reduced their odds of injury by 61%. So it's quite a significant difference. And when it comes to, say, immune system, there's a study there that found that if you get less than seven hours sleep, you're nearly three times more likely to develop an infection compared to those who slept more than eight hours. And we know what if you do find yourself sick during a particular season or during a build-up, just having to take a couple of days off from sickness and get over that can really disrupt a training program and uh, disrupt a race. So just highlighting those importance, there was a book that was titled The Ultimate Guide to Eating and Training Right for Your Body Type. And it did mention the importance of sleep and says that sleep is when your immune system and your endocrine systems restore your body from the day's work. So it's like the repair phase. And since your body works hard when you're training, shut-eye is even more important leading up to a race. That's when you work the hardest. So if you want to perform hard, you need to sleep hard. And if you think about injury-prone Pete back in season one, he was sacrificing his sleep because he got a new job promotion, which meant working more hours. And he sacrificed his sleep just so he could get up training for the marathon and try and do his long runs a bit earlier in the day just so he could fit in that long run before work. And so you're really cutting out that repair phase in your in your day. And you might think that, okay, cutting out half an hour or an hour isn't a massive difference. But when it comes to your sleep cycles, your REM sleep is key to your memory, rebuilding, body rejuvenation. So the REM sleep cycle is very important and that's most predominant in the later phase of your sleep. So if you're sleeping for eight hours, REM sleep is most predominant within that two or three hours at the end of your sleep. So if you go to bed at 10 and you wake up at 7, it's usually between 4am and 7am where that REM sleep, that cycle really gets to work. And if you're cutting out one hour, yes, it's only one hour in a total of eight hours, but you might be cutting out 60% of your REM sleep. So it's very key to, um, to consider. And there's a lot of sleep and sport doctors say that healthy adults need seven to eight hours of sleep, but that goes a level up for endurance athletes. They're working harder. They need to recover harder. They need to spend more time in that recovery phase. And so as you put your body through more work, you need more rest if you expect to get, if you expect to continue performing well. And that was backed up in a study from Bonner 2018, which acknowledged that seven to nine hours of sleep per night is recommended for healthy adults, but athletes need nine to 10 hours total to reach their full potential. So I delved into the research and I found a nice study that looked at sleep interventions. The title was called Sleep Interventions Designed to Improve Athletic Performance and Recovery. And it's a systematic review, which compiles a lot of different published articles that are out there, compiles it all together, and then they summarize the results. So it's a very strong message and the research is really tied in well. And so some of the interventions they included were including sleep extension. So just prolonging the amount of time you slept, napping, sleep hygiene, and post-exercise recovery strategies. And the evidence suggests that sleep extension had the most beneficial effects 
on subsequent performance. And so when my discussion before about the REM sleep, if you're extending your usual sleep, you're getting a little bit more REM sleep in that recovery phase. And this was also the results they found were also consistent with previous research that suggests that sleep plays an important role in some, but not all aspects of athletic performance and recovery. So we're talking about performance and recovery and just I haven't really discussed yet what uh, performance markers are affected if there's a decrease in sleep or if you're deprived of sleep. And Tom Goom had a nice blog that I had a read through and his blog was called Sleep Your Way to Better Recovery and he came out with a few dot points on the impairments that can be created if you are sleep deprived. And so he lists impairments in submaximal sustained exercise bouts and muscular anaerobic power. So there are decreases in the amount of generated force that is produced with power, but also a submaximal, like an endurance runner, uh, performances with submaximal exercise. There's also cognitive impairments that create a variation in your mood, which can be linked with overreaching performance and overtraining. If your cognitive impairments have been affected, you are more susceptible to fluctuating moods and making training errors. Poor sleepers uh, usually have a lower general health and linked with increased stress and confusion. Sleep loss in athletes can reduce the muscle protein resynthesis and stimulate processes resulting in muscle atrophy, like muscles getting smaller and weaker. It can affect muscle glycogen stores. And lastly, inadequate sleep impairs maximal muscle strength for compound movements. So compounds being multi-joint movements, such as running, but also like box jumps and lunge squats and those multi-joint, multiple movement performance markers. So hopefully you're convinced that there is a strong connection between sleep, between recovery, and between your performance. And you've probably realized that in the title, it mentions cortisol as well, which is a stress hormone. This is something I want to tie into this episode because there's this interwoven relationship between the two and didn't want to talk about one without the other. A couple of references that I had for this, because I don't know a lot about cortisol, so I just went searching for information and I did find an article called Chronic Stress, Cortisol Dysfunction and Pain. And I also found another paper that was called The Role of Cortisol in Sleep. And I'll be using that along with the prior knowledge that I also had to summarize this up quite well. So cortisol is like a stress hormone. It, If you imagine us throughout evolution, if there was a tiger running towards us, it would trigger some stress, obviously. When that stress is triggered, the body releases cortisol, which allows the body to release more energy. I think it's more glycogen, which also acts as a short-term anti-inflammatory. So if you see a tiger, you immediately trigger stress, you immediately trigger an increased production in cortisol, which means I can release more energy, I can run away quicker and escape, be safe. So that's the primary role of cortisol. But there's a large body of evidence that links a relationship between chronic stress and pain. So that acute stress when a tiger's running towards us releases cortisol serves a real big purpose. But what about if you have chronic stress? What about if you're 
always worried about something, if you're stressed at work, if you're stressed with an injury, if you're stressed about running performance, this stress also triggers that cortisol to be produced in the body. And there is a link between pain and sleep, which we'll go through in a second. So ultimately, a prolonged and exaggerated stress response can perpetuate cortisol dysfunction and actually cause widespread inflammation and pain. And what I learned at uni with cortisol and a good analogy was a pain trigger can be like lighting a match. So if you light a match in a room, uh, that can signify a pain signal and cortisol can be thought of as a flammable gas that's in the air, surrounding the air, and that's signifying cortisol that's floating throughout the body and circulating throughout the body. If you have more gas in that room and that pain response, that lighting of the match is triggered, the more cortisol you have in your body, the more bang for your buck you're going to get because the more gas that's circulated throughout that room is that cortisol throughout the body. If there's a lot of cortisol throughout the body and there's that one pain signal, the pain is going to be amplified and lead to just a really, really bad experience. Well, a lot worse of an experience. So we don't want a lot of cortisol floating through our body for a long period of time. And interestingly, uh, chronic insomnia without depression occurs with elevated cortisol levels. So here we have the, the interwoven play between cortisol and sleep and pain. So this elevated levels of cortisol can actually be the primary cause of some sleep disturbances. And so this is how I like to look at it. There's this ongoing cycle. Sometimes there's chronic pain. If you have chronic pain, it can lead to psychological stress, which is very, very common. A lot of people with chronic back pain are worried about their back pain. They're worried because their partner or family member has also had back pain and they're wondering if it's going to manifest itself and get severe crippling like other people that they know. It tends to play on their mind. And this chronic stress can cause catastrophization, which just perpetuates more and more of that cortisol to float throughout the body. Like I stated before, if there's more cortisol throughout the body, it can contribute to sleep disturbances, which then carries on to what we are talking about before. If there's sleep disturbances, that 70% increase in injury risk can occur, which can then lead to more pain, more cortisol, more stress and have a massive effect on your recovery and your management skills. So this is why I wanted to put this earlier in the podcast before we get into a lot of specifics, because you might not think about this. You might not be thinking about the stress and the poor sleep in relation to your running injuries and your recovery, but it can happen for any type of injury. It can happen for Achilles, it can happen for the knee, it can happen for the hip. So it's worth a lot of reflection. There are a lot of uh, coping strategies and cognitive appraisals confronting any of your stresses that can minimize the secretion and prevention of chronic pain, which ties in really well with the explain pain episodes I've had before. We talked about a few coping strategies and implementing some good management strategies to help chronic pain. So hopefully that interwoven relationship is uh, tied up really well for you. Hopefully I've communicated the importance of it and the relationship between 
all of those quite well. Um, my experiences, like I said, I've spent the last several months trying to improve my sleep, trying to analyze my sleep and learn more about sleep. I did purchase an Aura ring from the States, which gathers a lot of health metrics for me, sleep metrics and performance metrics. So while I sleep, it gives me a score of how well I slept but also gives me a score of uh, performance. It's a performance indicator. So if I look it up and it's quite high, it means that I can do a harder workout that day. If it's low, it means my body hasn't quite recovered due to either elevated body temperature, heart rate, what time of the night my heart rate was at its lowest, as well as past nights of sleep and how I've scored for that. So it has been something I've focused on quite a lot just as I'm learning the importance of sleep. So let's have a bit of a recap. I've been listening to a few of the past episodes just to add a little bit of self-reflection and the episodes that I did a bit of a recap dot point view, I thought was really effective. I'm like, oh, I should probably do that more often. So uh, I'm going to start doing a few more recaps. So let's recap. Sleep affects several performance indicators. These can be both physical and also emotional. Lack of sleep can increase your risk of injury, sometimes by up to 70%. Chronic sleep deprivation increases cortisol and amplifies pain that could contribute to persistent pain. It's recommended that you sleep for seven to nine hours. If you're performing at a lot of a lot higher levels, it's more around that nine to 10 in order for you to get that full recovery and full benefit and perform to your fullest. So that's a recap. If you think you are lacking some good quality sleep, I've got a couple of tips here that I wrote in my blog a while ago. And it is one, switch off all electrical devices one to two hours before bed. Two, avoid alcohol or big meals one to two hours before bed. Three, make sure your room is dark and cool. So around about that 18 degrees mark. Four, be conscious of the time you last had caffeine and see if that's affecting your sleep. Five, keep a consistent sleep pattern. It's very hard for shift workers and those who go out on weekends and are catching up Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Make sure, if possible, that you do have a consistent sleep pattern. And lastly, which is something that wasn't in the blog that I just added in now from this research the last couple of days, napping can also be effective to make up for lost time. And if you are napping, it's good to do it between one and four o'clock in the day just so it doesn't disrupt your circadian rhythm too much. I hope today was a bit of a, an eye-opener, some new knowledge that you might have learned and you're already thinking about your sleep and ways that you can improve your quality of sleep and get better sleep hygiene. All of this, even if it's just a small step and go a long, long way in reducing your risk of injury and increasing your running performance, which is what about this podcast is all about. Like I say at the start, it's all about getting you to that starting line and then finishing strong. So it's making sure you're not injured and making sure that you perform to the best of your ability. Thanks once again for listening and taking control of your rehab. If you are a runner and love learning through the podcast format, then go ahead and check out the Run Smarter podcast hosted by me. I'll include the link along with all the other links mentioned today in the show notes. So open up your device, click on the show description, and all the links will be there waiting for you. Congratulations on paving your way forward towards an empowering, pain-free future. And remember, knowledge is power.